Today on From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve, you'll learn to overcome the financial feud with your spouse. Hey, how can you experience true financial peace in your heart, in your life, in your home, in your marriage, and in your family? God tells us in His Word. Much in the Bible speaks about our relationship with money. Jesus told lots of parables, and in those parables, He often would center them around money or use money in the parable because money is part of life. You have to have money to live, and so it affects everybody. If you have no money, then you are in serious trouble, and so the Lord tells us how to handle money. Money can create all kinds of problems in your marriage and family. It can lead to materialism, selfishness, anxiety, and family fights. This is From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve, and today's message focuses on what may be the source of much conflict in your relationship with your spouse. Money, cash, currency, or more likely, credit cards. Listen. How would you like to have financial peace in your family? Today, Pastor Jeff shares how to be content in the Lord, trust in His provision, and use money God's way. We're in part one of the lesson entitled, Overcoming the Financial Feud. It's from Pastor Jeff Shreve's seven-message series, We Are Family, that we're airing this month. Now, this series is one of our special gifts of thanks this month for your support of any amount to From His Heart. You can find out more when you go to fromhisheart.org. If you can now, open your copy of God's Word to 1 Timothy as we learn how to overcome the family's financial feud. Husband and wife were in a fight, in an argument. It escalated, and they said ugly things to one another, and then it got so bad that it just got quiet, and neither one of them was talking to one another. And that went on for the evening and the next morning and the next afternoon and the next evening. For two days, they didn't speak a word to each other. Three days, they didn't speak a word to each other. And on the evening of the third day, the husband realized, you know, I got to catch a flight early in the morning and I am a heavy, heavy sleeper. I need my wife to help me wake up, but I don't want to ask her because then This is a battle of the the wills now. And so he wrote her a note and he said, honey, I have a plane to catch at 630. Please wake me up at five o'clock. And he put it by her side of the bed and he went to sleep and he woke up the next morning and it's 730 in the morning. And he said, oh, no, I slept in. She didn't wake me up. Uh, I'm going to give her a piece of my mind. This is just uh, crossing the line. And when he got up, he looked on his nightstand. There was a little note. It said, honey, it's 5 a.m. Wake up. (laughs) Husbands and wives, all husbands and wives have arguments. They have difficulties. They have fights, not physical fights, but word fights and conflict. 
the ideal marriage is not one where you don't have any conflict. The ideal marriage is where you deal with conflict correctly. Somebody has well said the best definition of conflict. You want to know what it is? The best definition of conflict, two people. Two people. You put two people together and there is going to be, over time, conflict. And in marriage, the number one issue that couples fight about. It's not sex, it's not in-laws, it's not exes if it's a blended marriage situation, it's not chores, it's not parenting. The number one issue couples fight about is money. They fight about money, how to uh, spend money, how to save money, how to make money, all those different issues involved with money, that is the number one fight in marriage. It's the number two cause of divorce. Number one is sexual immorality. Number two, money issues. The number one thing we fight about, the number two thing that causes divorce. Sonia Britt is a researcher at the University of Kansas. She said this, arguments about money is by far the top predictor of divorce. It takes longer to recover from a money argument than any other kind of dispute. And she offers this advice to those who aren't married and start dating. She says, find out very soon in the relationship how this other person views and values money, how they spend, how they save money, because money, their attitude toward money is critical in the marriage. Now, we're in a series called We Are Family, and today we want to talk about overcoming the financial feud. Hey, how can you experience true financial peace in your heart, in your life, in your home, in your marriage, and in your family? God tells us in his word, 1 Timothy chapter 6. You know, much in the Bible speaks about our relationship with money. Jesus told lots of parables, and in those parables, he often would center them around money or use money in the parable because money is part of life. You have to have money to live, and so it affects everybody. If you have no money, then you are in serious trouble, and so the Lord tells us how to handle money. First Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 6. He says, but godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. And if we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction." For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many a pang. There are three admonitions that the Lord gives us from his word concerning money. Three admonitions. You say, Jeff, what is an admonition? An admonition, it's a loving caution. It's authoritative counsel that God gives us regarding money. How can you experience true peace in your life as it relates to money? Admonition number one, recognize the inherent danger found in money. The inherent danger. Money is like a gun. Money is neither good nor bad. A gun is neither good nor bad. 
It's amoral. You can use it for good or you can use it for bad. And many of us have guns and you use it for good. Other people have guns and they use it for evil. It, it, money is like that. It can be used for good. It can be used for evil. But everyone knows with a, as with a gun, you have to be careful with it. If you're going to use it for good, you must be careful with it because it can hurt you. And that's the way money is. Now, it says that the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. Money is not the root of all sorts of evil, but your attitude toward money is. That word, uh, when it says the love of money in verse 10, the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. That's one word in the Greek, philagoria, philagoria. It means, literally means uh, the affection for silver. It's tied to greed and covetousness. You, you just love money. You want to have more money. You just, oh, I need it, I need it. When I was a kid growing up, we used to like to watch Gilligan's Island. And in Gilligan's Island, you had Thurston Howe III. And he was uh, this rich guy. And uh, he went on a three-hour tour and he brought like suitcases full of cash. I mean, it's kind of crazy, but he did. And when he would sleep, he would just think about money, 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 money. You just see him and he's sleeping and he's talking about money. Uh, that guy loved money. And if I asked you, do you love money? Well, you'd say that the right answer would be no. So I want to answer no. And, and many people who call themselves Christians, they would say, well, of course I don't love money. I might have some struggles with money, but I don't love money. Let me tell you something. It is easy to fall in love with money. Very easy and not even know that you've fallen in love with money. And that's why you and I need to be very careful as it relates to money because there is inherent danger in money. Let's take the love of money test. See how you do. Seven questions. Question number one. Do you find yourself thinking about money much of the time, how to get it, how to get more of it, how to spend it, how to save it, how to protect it. Is that on your mind constantly? Question number two, do you find yourself worrying about money? Oh, there, there's not going to be enough. I'm worried someone might steal from me. I'm worried I don't have enough at the end of the month. Are you worried about money? Question number three, on your job, are you more concerned about how much you make or how well you perform. Question four, do you never seem to have enough money? Do you always wish you had more? Does the thought go through your head, well, if I just had a little more, then I could do this, just a little more, and then I can do that. Question number five, do you love to flaunt your money in terms of expensive cars, Houses, jewelry, vacations, toys. Question number six, does it pain you to part with your money? I mean, when it's offering time in the church, do you just kind of tense up? Oh, they're taking an offering again. I hate it when they do that. I just don't like to, you know. We, we sing that song, uh, take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. And then we hold on to it with all our might. Is that, is that you? Do you hate to give? Does it pain you to give and to part with your money? And question number seven, do you sin to obtain money? Cheat on your taxes, cheat on your expense report, lie, steal, 
or commit some act of immorality to get money. Hey, if those things, as we ask those questions, you search your heart, if, if a lot of uh, yeses come up in that quiz, then you know what? Without you even really understanding and knowing, you have fallen prey to the love of money, and it opens the door to all sorts of evil. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other or hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So we got to watch out because it's easy to fall prey to the love of money. But not only is it easy to fall in love with money, it is foolish to fall in love with money. Very foolish to do that. Why? Well, because money can't satisfy. Money is something that we need, but money is not the be-all, end-all. Money doesn't solve problems. Money doesn't satisfy the longings of the human heart. Solomon, who had more money than anyone who has ever lived, he said this, those who love money will never be satisfied with the money they have. Those who love wealth will not be satisfied when they get more and more. This is all so senseless. It's vanity. It's chasing after wind. It's meaningless to go after money because money can't satisfy. Money is a lot like salt water. If you are thirsty out in the middle of the ocean, stranded in the middle of the ocean in a boat somewhere and you're dying of thirst, the last thing you want to do is drink salt water. The old famous little phrase uh, of the person uh, dying uh, out in the ocean, dying of thirst, water, water everywhere, but not a drop to drink. Because you can't drink salt water because salt water doesn't quench your thirst. Salt water makes you more thirsty. And money's like that. It's not designed. God didn't set it up where that would solve your problems, where that would satisfy your soul. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. Some of the wealthiest men whoever lived, had some interesting things to say about money. W.H. Vanderbilt, the shipping and railroad tycoon, he was a multi, multi, multi-billionaire. He said this, in today's money, he's a multi-billionaire. He said this, the care of $200 million is enough to kill anyone. There is no pleasure in it. Most of us would think, man, $200 million? And back in the 1800s, 200 million was really something. And uh, boy, I'd, that you don't you don't get any pleasure out of that. He said, "No, no pleasure at all." John Jacob Astor, the fur trader, who was a multi-billionaire, said this: "I am the most miserable man on earth." Wow. Well, aren't aren't your millions giving you satisfaction? No, because they can't satisfy. It's salt water. Andrew Carnegie, the Steel Baron said this, millionaires seldom smile. Henry Ford, the automobile tycoon, said this, I was happier when I was doing a mechanic's job. If money doesn't satisfy. It's easy to fall in love with money. It's foolish to fall in love with money because money doesn't satisfy. And then it's important for us to remember it is devastating to fall in love with money. Easy to do, foolish to do, devastating to do. Look what it says again in verses 9 and 10. But those who want to get rich. Some people think, well, it's, you know, it's okay to want to get rich. A friend of mine said one time, well, I know there's nothing wrong with wanting to get rich. 1 Timothy 6, verse 9. But those who want to get rich. It's okay to be rich. God is okay with that. 
God blessed Abraham. Abraham was a wealthy guy, but Abraham wasn't trusting in riches. He wasn't looking at riches to satisfy him. You know, that you have some people that are very poor and they love money. Some people are very rich and they don't love money. It has nothing to do with how much you have. It's an issue of the heart. And it says in verse 9, but those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many a pang. Pierce themselves. That, that's a picture of an animal on a spit. If you've ever seen like a pig being roasted, they run the spit all through the pig. He's not talking about having a splinter in your finger. He's talking about having a stake run through you. You pierce yourself with many a pang, with many sorrows, with many distresses. That's for those who love money. And those who want to get rich, I like how it says that you fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. The word for plunge literally means to sink into the deep, to drown. And that's what the love of money does, the desire for riches. Oh, I just want to get rich. You sink into the deep. The very first admonition to all of us, recognize the inherent danger found in money. Second admonition, learn to be content in the Lord and his provision. You find your contentment and satisfaction in the Lord and his provision. Water, water everywhere, but not a drop to drink. That's money. It's not going to satisfy you. The one who will satisfy you is the Lord Jesus Christ. Solomon said in the book of Ecclesiastes, for who can eat and who can have enjoyment without him? No one, because he is the source of satisfaction. So look at verse 6. He says, but godliness actually is a means of great gain. He's talking in verse 5 about the false teachers who use religion to try and get money and fake godliness to try and uh, gain money. He says, but godliness actually is a means of great gain when it's accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. And if we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. Contentment in the Lord, in what you have in him and in what he provides. Contentment is defined this way in the Greek. It's a mind contented with its lot, satisfied with its lot in life. It's sufficiency in the necessities. If we have food and covering, and covering would be for your body and also shelter. If we have those things, we have the basics, then with these we shall be content. We don't need any more than that. But so many of us think, well, yeah, but I got to get this, and I got to get that, and I got to get this other. So let me give you some practical advice to help you find your contentment in the Lord. See, Paul said that in Philippians chapter 4. He's imprisoned in Rome, and he said, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself in. I know how to get along with humble means, and I know how to get along with plenty. In any and every circumstances, I've learned the secret of having an abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because Jesus is the one who gives me contentment and satisfaction. So how do we 
focus ourselves so we can see the Lord, so we can get our satisfaction in him and not be distracted by so many other things and not let the love of money get into our hearts. Number one, stop comparing yourself to other people. We all tend to have trouble comparing ourselves to other people. You know what Facebook is? Facebook is people comparing themselves to other people. And uh, in Facebook, you look on there, it's somebody's highlight reel. You know, they show you, we're going here and we're doing this and we're doing that. And you look at your crummy life and you think, we never go anywhere. I mean, I went to to the the convenience store. You don't put that on Facebook. Man, we had a big date. We got a, you know, something at the convenience store. That doesn't go on there. It's, It's somebody's highlight reel. But listen, Facebook is not real. You know, I have 5,000 friends on Facebook. I don't have 5,000 friends. I don't know 5,000 people. And, but, but they're my friends on Facebook. Sometimes I get somebody come up and say, you know, we're friends on Facebook. I said, oh, hi, friend. I mean, I've never met you before, you know? And so it's not really real. You know, you, you, you believe all these things you read, and then you compare your life to the highlight reel, and you say, well, I'm getting ripped off here. Stop comparing yourself. Comparison does one of two things. Both are bad. It'll either make you proud, hey, I'm doing better than you are, or it'll make you depressed. Oh, you're doing better than I am. And God says, don't, don't do that. Keep your eyes on me. So stop comparing yourselves to others. And then secondly, stop focusing on what you don't have what you don't have. You know, when we start comparing, then we see all the things these other people have, and then we kind of look at what we don't have, and then we feel like we're getting ripped off, and then we're discontented and dissatisfied. I mean, my house isn't as good as their house. My car isn't as good as their car. My wife isn't as pretty as their wife. My wife is pretty, so I'm just, I'm talking for other people. But you know, we have these things. My clothes aren't as good. My vacations aren't as good. Stop focusing on what you don't have and start thanking God for what you do have. What you do have. If we have food and covering, with these, we shall be content. Focusing on what others have always brings discontent, doesn't it? Sure it does. But true contentment with your finances can only really start with a genuinely thankful heart for what God has already provided for you. We're learning about that today in part one of the message, Overcoming the Financial Feud. It's from Pastor Jeff Shreve's series, We Are Family. And as we've been reminded of today, money can create all kinds of problems in your marriage and family. It can lead to materialism, selfishness, anxiety, and fighting. Would you like to have financial peace in your family? We'll have part two of this lesson tomorrow, but as we've said, it's one of seven messages in the series, We Are Family, that can really, really help you not only find contentment with money, but with your wife, husband, and even in how you train your children to grow up to be responsible, godly children. You can find out more about this when you go to FromHisHeart.org, because we're offering this entire series in the format of your choice as our thank you gift for your support of any amount. And when you give, we'll also send you Pastor Jeff's popular booklet, I Still Do, that he co-wrote with his wife, Debbie. The series is available on a USB flash drive, MP3 download, or CDs or DVDs, your choice. Call 866-40-BIBLE, 866-40-BIBLE, 
or simply go online to fromhisheart.org and request the series and the booklet when you make that gift. From His Heart is heard daily on hundreds and hundreds of stations across the nation and around the world, and you make that happen. Well, a big thank you for joining us today on From His Heart. I'm Larry Nobles with a sincere invitation for you to be here tomorrow for part two of Overcoming the Financial Feud. That's on Tuesday, when again, we'll open God's Word and share real truth, real love, and real hope from His heart. From His Heart is the listener-supported broadcast ministry of Dr. Jeff Shreve, speaking the truth in love to a lost and a hurting world. Remember, no matter what, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Find out more at fromhisheart.org.